Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. I want to ask you into uh, a conversation with me. We'll try this again. Last week, we played some music uh, here. We did a little name that tune, which was, I think was fun. It was fun for me. Uh, but uh, today, I'm just going to sing a bunch of random songs. Uh, I won't do that either. I thought about singing Randy Newman, You've Got a Friend in Me, but I won't do that. Here's what I want to ask you uh, to help me out. Just, you know, I know this is kind of awkward, like shout it out, but uh, I I wondered if you could answer this question for me. Um, What are the qualities, uh, what qualities do you value in a friend? All right. Like, let's just, if I, I really should have got a whiteboard, we would just build it out here, right? Like, uh, what, what qualities... Uh, are meaningful for you in, in friendship. What makes a good friend? Anyone? All right. I already said that. Does that count? I don't know. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Loyalty. What else we got? All right. Loyalty. Honesty. Say again. Love. All right. All right. So they uh, bring you joy. All right. Joy. Yeah. Oh, like a quality time, she said. So like availability. That's good. Anyone else? All right, so are you messing with me right now? No, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> you kind of laughed at me like, am I missing a joke here? So we'll say compatibility, right? Like a similar sense of humor, yeah? Uh, anyone else? Like qualities of a good friend. Like, that's it. Say again. Kind. Yeah, now you're just naming fruits of the spirit. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Generous. All right. Ah, uh, yeah, like a listener. Man, these are so good. Uh, say again? Oh, man, it's like, have you seen my notes? I don't know. Hard conversation. My kids and wife have been gone all week. Maybe you're reaping the fruits of that in the insanity that is coming from this pulpit this morning, but, or music stand. Uh, but uh, anyone else? Any other qualities before we, we move on? A fan of Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I knew there was a reason I liked you, Quentin. I I knew. Um, All right, so this is great. So you have said, again, just to summarize, uh, you can imagine a whiteboard here. We've said loyalty, honesty, love, joy, right, like humor, Uh, availability uh, for quality time, Uh, compatibility around a sense of humor, Uh, kindness, generous, a good listener. I'm like, it's like I'm pointing at stuff. This is, I don't know. Uh, willing to have hard conversations, uh, and then Lord of the Rings, which uh, is there. Uh, so, so we have this sort of like profile of a good friend, right? And, that, you know, yeah, there might be some nuance or detail there, but you're like, this makes for a good friend, right? When you find this in your life, you're like, I have found a good thing, right? Uh, and when you are this for someone else, typically you, you probably pat yourself on the back a little bit, right? Like this is a good friend. So now I want to take us into Proverbs for just a moment. And as I've said, Proverbs, from, you know, gives us sort of like it's uh, singular bits of wisdom as you move deeper into the book. And uh, we're not going to see everything it has to say about friendship, but I just want to give you a sample uh, of, of some of the Proverbs about friendship. So uh, are you ready? And I think they might be up here. I know it's a long way from this side of the room. This projector had some issues this morning, so uh, we're resolving that. But uh, Proverbs 17, 17, 
A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. All right, so we have love here. We have staying power here, which um, came up in our sort of profile, right, that there is availability and commitment over time. Uh, yeah, so uh, how about this? Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I think maybe tucked in here is a bit of that, that bit of like honest conversation that there is something in a good friend that, that changes us, that, that shapes us. Uh, or, or more explicitly, Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Talk about honest conversations. Here it is. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy, right? You can uh, unpack that one later. But uh, 17, 19, okay, just a couple more. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but the one who repeats a matter separates close friends. I feel like what you hear uh, here, I mean, whoever covers an offense, I mean, this is forgiveness, this is kindness, this is love in a really like practical expression, right? Love, seeks love, which you guys named as a quality of friendship. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But if you repeat it, right, if you repeat it, you've broken the, the friendship. And then lastly, 1824, a man of many companions may come to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A phrase we often use and pick up to um, perhaps makes you think of Jesus, but, but there is in this proverb the sense that like you can go through life with kind of a large social circle, which is great, but there is something about friends that are, um, that, that are, that are going to stick with you. Uh, the, the, the sort of implication here is like through adversity as we've already read, that there is this kind of loyalty, this uh, presentness that, that lasts. Uh, so uh, I, I'm hoping it's clear. What I want to suggest is you guys gave us a profile of friendship, things you value in a friend. We've seen just the hint of what Proverbs says. This has all sorts of other things. It might not say friend directly, but all sorts of things about the nature of how we relate to each other, how we speak, how we use our words, which we'll see later, how we relate, and, and that have implications for friendship. What I, what I hope uh, is apparent is that there's, there's clearly a lot of overlap, right? In the things that you said, right, love, loyalty, honesty, making each other better, a generous kindness that forgives and overlooks offenses, uh, like the, many of the things that you said, here they are, uh, surprise, right, in God's wisdom for your life and mine around the theme of friendship, which, okay, which I, I want to suggest to you uh, takes us right back to where we've gone over and over and over again in Proverbs, that God's wisdom for your life and mine is clearly more than an issue of knowing what makes for wise, in this case, friendships up here. Right? That, I mean, you guys, we just said it, all of these qualities that we know, right? That, that we have, you have experienced and you know this makes for good friendship. Right? Uh, and here it is in God's uh, wisdom for us. He's telling us, he's, he's affirming those things for you and me. And what it suggests to, to me and I think should suggest to all of us this morning uh, <laughs> right, is that clearly the question of what good friendship looks like and how to live it is more than just knowing. It's with God's wisdom in this case, not just an intellectual thing. That there, that there's certainly right. Otherwise, otherwise, like, why would it be so exceptional? Right? Why would we see it in a story like? Frodo and Sam, in my case, maybe it's, I don't know, what's another buddy movie? 
Toy Story. Say again? Oh, yeah. Buzz and Woody, right? Like, uh, I don't know what the context is for you, but why when we see it in, in, in a really sort of beautifully depicted way, does it move us so? Why does it feel so exceptional? Why in your life or mine, when we find a friend that exhibits these qualities, does it feel like uh, an exception sometimes more than a, a rule? Or why in your life, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll say in my life, why, why when I fall short of this for people, do I feel it oftentimes acutely? Or, uh, right, like if it were simply knowing, right, we know this, yet repeatedly uh, it seems broken in my life. I think because Proverbs suggests to you and me because uh, it's a heart thing. Our hearts are, are broken and bent. That God's wisdom for us uh, lives and flows uh, from here more than just here. And I hope to illustrate that here in just a moment. We're going to look at one proverb in, in just a moment here uh, in particular. Uh, you know, just in reflecting on friendship, I'd been reading a little bit about it. And I'd come across some guys chatting about friendship in middle-aged men, uh, which I think is me. I don't know. But... Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, deep breath, but um, just talking about how hard it is, right? And uh, it, was, it was an interesting sort of depiction of culture, but the, they referenced, uh, and perhaps you've seen it, John Mulaney, the comedian, uh, who is, I think, younger than me, and uh, writing about his father and the nature of friendships in his father. So maybe a generation or two, you know, like a, older than me, he's kind of writing about friendships there. And I thought it was interesting, maybe you've seen it, but he says, right, like, my dad has no friends, is what he says. And your dad has no friends, and if you think your dad has friends, you're wrong, right? You're wrong. Your mom has friends, and they have husbands, right? And those are not your dad's friends, right? This, this, uh, this picture, this admission, I think, uh, this admission that this space of life that seems so obvious, we know what makes for a good friend. We know we need depth. Even if we're introverted, we know, like, I need the value of community and good friends. Why, why is it so elusive? Like man or woman, right, stage of life, irregardless, so often, and I know that there, are, I know this isn't always the case, but so often, why is it so elusive? Well, I want to look at one proverb that I think will help us, and it's Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Uh, it, I keep pointing up here. It's not up here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Oh, it is up here. Look at there, man. Oh, goodness. Uh, this is what it says. Um, lots of people. Lots of people claim to be loyal and loving, but where on earth can you find one? All right, so this is the message translation, which I found helpful because it unpacks, I think it is a clear unpacking of the word steadfast love, which is the same word we, we've sung about, the same word we read in Psalm 100. Uh, that, that it reads, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love. I am faithful and loyal over the long haul, right? Like love and loyalty. So love, I'm there. Loyalty, that love will stay with you. Uh, but a faithful man, who can find, right? Lots of people claim to be loyal and loving, but where on earth can you find one? I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna throw my children under the bus for a moment. I have twin daughters who were eight. They are not in here to defend themselves. And uh, here we go. They've been out of town all week. Uh, they left last Saturday. They came back yesterday. Jess took them to visit cousins in Georgia. And um, it's, it's a bunch of girls all their age with their aunt and their uh, grandmother there, like just uh, granny. They're just, 
it was a big, you know, girl party, so I understand why they left me behind, and I, I'm okay with it. But uh, in the buildup to this trip, man, they were effusive with their love for me. Daddy, we love you. Daddy, we're going to miss you. Daddy, we want you to come with us. I'm like, no, you don't. Daddy, I'm, and then, then they finally admitted, just for the travel, right? Right, like just on the plane and stuff, we like to have you around. I'm like, okay. Uh, Daddy, we miss you. But then this, Daddy, we'll FaceTime you every night, right? How many nights did we FaceTime, you ask? Zero, right? (laughs) Zero, right? The wisdom of Proverbs. Lots of people claim to be loyal and loving, right? We, we love to push our steadfastness forward. I am here, I am, right? But, oh, oh, who can find it anywhere on the earth, right? I don't know. Uh, it just makes me think about friendship, right, uh, here in Proverbs. I think this gets to the heart of the matter, that the, the, the issue with friendship is not knowing what makes for a good friend. It's acknowledging that our hearts are broken, and bent on ourselves. In this case, just maybe thinking better of ourselves than we really are. I am a good friend in this case, right? But acknowledging that our hearts, our hearts are bent on ourselves, which I know perhaps sounds like a broken record. We've said it every week, I think, that we've talked about Proverbs, but here it is again. We want to know what it's like to be a good friend in the world. We want to know what it's like to have good friends. Wow, man, uh, the heart is intimately involved and broken in that process. I want to give you another example. I was reminded of the movie Hook. It's a a story of friendship and and other things, right? You know, it's kind of the Peter Pan story, a classic from many of you from your childhood. Uh, You know, the one Robin Williams plays Peter Pan in this movie. But there's the scene in the movie where uh, he's back, he's old, right? He's old. And he's, I think it's with the Lost Boys, and they're trying to, like, uh, they don't see him there, right? Like, uh, is this Peter Pan? And there's the scene where somebody gets in his face, if you remember, and sort of like pulls his skin back and like, right, right. And then he says, there you are, Peter, right? Do you, you guys remember this scene? I'm just probably doing it an injustice. There you are, Peter. And, and I think, I think it, it pulls me into the tension of Proverbs 20, verse 6, because this verse says that we tend to live here I am. Right, that we, our hearts are, are bent to go through life. Here I am. I'm a good friend. Look at my steadfast love. I mean, not that any of you proclaim that, right? You wake up in the morning and be like, man, I, I am full on with steadfast love today, right? I, it doesn't work that way. But, but I think we, we tend to live in a way that, that our hearts are inclined to live in such a way that we sort of approach all the spaces in our life. Like, here I am. Proverbs 6 says our hearts are aching for people in our lives who are there you are kind of people, right? People who aren't there to sort of push their own loyalty forward, but, but to genuinely sort of be faithfully present. We're like, here I am, but uh, this picture is one of there you are. And, 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 and let's be honest, again, we are much more at home, all of us, with the here I am sort of path through life, with one exception, with one exception. The gospel tells us that there is one, one whose name is ironically, I am, right? Yet who repeatedly, repeatedly shows up in the world saying, there you are. 
right? One whose name he gives to Moses, I am. But in the context of that sort of revelation of who he is, says, I am with you. There you are. We, we, we see it in the garden at the beginning of the story. Things have gone terribly sideways for Adam and Eve. Hearts bent on themselves, and yet God shows up in the cool of the day. There you are. Or, or a little bit later in the story, Jacob running, lived deceitfully, sort of built his life, and he's running from his brother. And on the way, God just shows up and says, there you are, there you are. Changes the trajectory of his life, becomes his friend, changes his name to Israel. Moses, as we've mentioned, at the burning bush. Moses, who says, I don't belong here. I'm an imposter. I didn't belong in Egypt. I, I, I tried to be a Hebrew, and that didn't work, and now I'm running in the wilderness. God shows up and says, I'm going to send you back. Says to Moses, there you are. And story after story, some of you guys have been reading the Old Testament, story after story, the people of Israel, over and over again, going sideways, Hearts wanting to say, here I am. God repeatedly showing up and saying, there you are. And then he did it in Bethlehem in a manger, right? There you are, right? Coming to be with us. Jesus, page after page of the Gospels to people who had been overlooked, pushed to the sides, aching for someone to see them or notice them. Jesus repeatedly, there you are, there you are. And then on the cross, to all of us lost in our sort of self-promoting hearts, right? Somehow Jesus shows up in that moment again and says, there you are. And gives us the steadfast love and the forgiveness that covers over all kinds of offenses that Proverbs told us was a part of real friendship. So, so sure, right? You could hear what I've said this morning. And I think it would be good advice. I'm trying to live this way, but failing mostly. I want to be a there you are kind of person. I think Park City, we want to be a, a, a community full of there you are kind of people that when you come here, you, you sense that, you feel that, that when your kids go to school, they're there you are kind of people to their classmates. When you're at work, you're a there you are kind of person. And in your neighborhood, we, clearly we want to be that kind of person. That is great advice. Get out there and, you know, Go after it. But this proverb says you can go after it all you want, but the heart is still bent, still broken, still inclined to say, here I am. And if we're going to step into any of this sort of godly wisdom, I think the first step for all of us is to bring that self-promoting heart to Jesus, right? to bring it to the only true and loyal friend who in spite of your selfishness and mine and your unfaithfulness and mine continually says to you, there you are. I, I want to uh, tell you one more story. Uh, uh, a guy named Andy and Gabe, these guys were musicians in Nashville. And uh, uh, some of you, I think, are familiar with their work. They do a Christmas, uh, they do a Christmas tour every, every Christmas. And uh, these guys were a part of sort of the musician group that, that is a part of putting this on. And uh, they had a great time uh, every Christmas. Uh, these guys are roughly middle-aged men like me. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, this is just a great time hanging out. It was always so much fun. But 
uh, they realized, you know, they were together for this, like, month of Christmas, but then the 11 months out of the year, even though they lived in the same town, they just never saw each other. Like, man, we got to see each other, right? This is so fun. Why don't we make this happen? And so what they decided to do was they lived within walking distance of one another, so they began to walk. Uh, they would text one another, all right, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, and they would walk and uh, would meet in the middle and just high-five. Right? And it happened to be a park. So the first time they did it, they walked, they met. One time a week, they would walk and meet every week. And met, and they chatted for a few hours, and they would play balls. There was a little uh, basketball goal there, you know. It just became this, uh, again, to use the words of loyal and loving, this sort of uh, habitual uh, practice of friendship that, like, lasted. And uh, lasted, like, uh, uh, at the time of uh, my reading, six years. They met every week. They would walk and high-five walk and high five. Sometimes life was too busy, so they said they created all sorts of things. Like pretty early on, it, it grew into, I was going to try it, but I'm holding a mic, like a, a clap snap and a handshake, right? They'd be, you know, walking along and sometimes too busy to chat, so, you know, they had all sorts of playful rules. That are, they didn't want the awkward thing of like, let's just get a high five and kind of, you know, so they would pass each other and not acknowledge each other. These are grown men, mind you, and uh, not acknowledge each other. 20 steps once they pass, then they turn around and they'd be like, oh, hey, there you are, and then high five. You know, snap, clap, high five, and then just keep going because they wouldn't have time to talk. But this, this uh, habitual practice of friendship. And at some, some points it grew. They talk about their uh, birthday party, uh, or one of them had a birthday, and their, like, friends came with them. And so it was a whole, like, line of people. I'm picturing, like, good game, good game, good game, good game, right? Like, uh, people wanted in on this kind of, again, because it's so exceptional, right? This, even in this small way, this sort of loyal, ongoing practice of faithfulness and kindness and joy, uh, all in a high five. Well, uh, a, a, a writer, a journalist, I think by the name of Julie Beck, was writing in the Atlantic, and she's doing a series on friendship. She picked up their story and uh, was, was just kind of interviewing them both and asking them questions. And uh, in, in the year 2020, one of them, uh, Gabe, I believe, suffered uh, uh, a brain illness that uh, affected ongoingly his short-term memory. And... Uh, which means, you know, so they talk about, they, they get into this moment, and they're in the hospital, and uh, so he didn't remember any of this, right? Had, continually had trouble, you know, uh, remembering any of the high five. And Andy tells the story that uh, in this interview with uh, the, the journalist that uh, it was his turn. He spent the night in the hospital with, with his friend Gabe to give his wife a break. And, uh, you know, they're in there, and, you know, like, do you remember any of this? He's like, no, and... Yeah, those kinds of conversations. But at one point during the night, uh, Gabe was going to get up to go to the restroom, and uh, Andy, his friend, said, uh, you know, hey, man, when you come back, I know this won't, like, register with you. I'm going to give you a high five, okay? I'm going to, like, walk towards you when you come back, and I'm going to give you a high five. And, uh, uh, again, I'm not going to do story uh, justice to the story. You can read it. It's moving. But uh, so, you know, the guy's like, okay, I don't, whatever, man. And uh, so he gets up to do it, and comes back and Andy stands up to high five and instinctively uh, Gabe does the snap clap like they hadn't talked about it and you know just a snap clap like his body like remembered uh, his body remembered the effects of steadfast love right? it, it like wired into him right uh, his body remembered and uh, which, which was just moving so he talks about like uh, Andy's like I just cried like I, I couldn't believe it like you know we had talked about it here it, you know they're still working through it right but uh, in the interview what, what I want to share with you this morning, Julie Beck sort of leans into this bit of their story, is asking them questions. And she asks a question that has uh, just lingered with me. She says to them, it's interesting that you have this special sacred tradition, right? You guys are just, 
the habit of friendship is changing. You're, like now their families are together all the time. He's an uncle to the kids, right? It's just like the, this simple practice of loyal love on a, on a really small scale has like changed their families. And now walked with them through really difficult things. She's like, I'm interested that you have this special sacred tradition that you're carrying on that for a while, one of you couldn't even remember. And then she turns to Andy and says, Andy, did you feel like you were remembering for both of you? Did you feel like you were remembering for both of you? I want to suggest to you this morning that that is the gospel, that Jesus shows up again and again in your life and mine saying, there you are doing the remembering for both of us, right? That that Jesus shows up in spite of my wayward and unfaithful and selfish and selfishly promoting, self-promoting heart. Jesus does the remembering for both of us, his steadfast love, his loyal love. He shows up again and again. Every time, every time I bring my selfish heart to Jesus, every time my self-promoting heart comes into his presence, I find the one whose love and faithfulness is that of a friend who sticks closer than a brother, a a friend whose mercies are new every morning, who every time I come renews his promise to me, it's okay, I I know you blew it, but I'm doing the remembering for both of us. My mercies are new. A friend who... A man who just repeatedly shows up saying, there you are. Who just keeps coming back like the psalm told us this morning. Who is good and whose love endures forever. Forever. His mercy meeting you and me again and again with a warm and a welcoming. There you are. So I don't don't know where you are this morning. Well, you're here. We're watching online, but you are here. And maybe you're here and painfully aware of the unfaithfulness in your own heart. Maybe it has been, you felt it in your friendships. Maybe you just feel it in your faith, in your walk with Jesus. Maybe uh, you feel like God couldn't possibly show up in your life again. I want you to hear him say to you this morning, there you are. There you are. And I want to invite you, in spite of the waywardness of your heart, uh, to hear the good news that it's not your faithfulness that makes the difference. It's his. That his mercies to you are new every morning, and they are being renewed to you now, this morning. And wherever you may be in the friendship journeys of your life, right, to let your hearts rest first in the hands of the truly faithful one, to hear him say again and again, if you're ever going to be a there you are kind of person, it starts by bringing your heart repeatedly into the presence of the one who says it every day to you. I want to invite you guys to stand. I want to pray, and then we're going to close with a, a, a hymn, really, uh, that reminds us of Jesus' faithfulness. Uh, will you pray with me? God, we love you, and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the gospel, that it is by grace we have been saved. It is your faithfulness, Jesus. Your faithfulness that time and time again continues to show up in my life and say to me, there you are. I pray that you would do that for everyone here, people watching online, God, community, uh, part of parts of our community that aren't even here this morning, but that are still in need of, of, of your grace in their life.
God, that you would show up and heal. They, they would hear you say to them, there you are, that you have done the remembering for them. And God, I pray that uh, Park City would be a community where the ripple effects of that life-changing, even as we see in a small scale, God, with these friends, but that the ripple effects of that life-changing faithfulness on our hearts would make us a church and a community, God, that uh, expresses that same uh, steadfastness to others that enables us in our homes, with our kids, God, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our family members, God, with strangers, with cashiers, God, with uh, people we meet in the community, God, that wherever we are, because our hearts are at rest in your gracious invitation, we'd be able to say to others, there you are. And that in that moment, Jesus, they would hear the invitation of your son. We ask it in his name. Amen. Will you sing with us? Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.